don't believe your own lies. I think from a young age, we start telling ourselves a lot of lies in, in our self-talk. You know, why, why do I think I can do that? Why, why am I the one that could be able to do these things? You know, we have a lot of that negative self-talk and I think we just need to change that to the why not. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time to chat. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Jeff Haig, or Haig, Higgy, Haig? Higgy. Higgy. All right. I was looking at it. I'm like, I want to say Hague, but I think it's Higgy. So, um, so with that, so Jeff uh, graduated from college with a degree in entrepreneurship and uh, got a job offer to go to a bank, but decided, I think it was to be go to the rodeo circuit, maybe even be a circus club, but I'm not sure. But he'll fill us in on that. And uh, then went back um, to the, after uh, doing this rodeo circuit for a, a short period of time, went back to banking, got the job that uh, he was originally offered and worked there for about five years. And then at the office, or was at the office, I uh, saw a client that was doing some log homes, um, decided, I don't know if it was on the spur of the moment or not, but decided to quit his job and go make log homes for a living. So, and uh, fill us in on that. And uh, so went into manufacturing in Springville, Utah, or in, here in Utah, um, and then pivoted a number of times with the businesses, including doing retail locations and other things. Um, and then I actually reached out to some of the competitors and uh, started to, to make the deal with them and to uh, incorporate that. COVID came along, had to shut down, and uh, then decided to uh, pivot yet again um, to explore some other, other opportunities with mentorship and focusing on coaching and other things. So with that much as an introduction, and hopefully it's mostly accurate, welcome on the podcast, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Devin. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Absolutely. So I just uh, took a much longer journey and condensed into 30 seconds. So why don't you take us back a bit in time to when you're getting the uh, entrepreneurship degree in college and how things how your journey started from there? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So yeah, I when I graduated from college, my major was in entrepreneurship, always wanted to be doing things on my own. But when the bank came to me, it was a good job offer, but I was rodeoing professionally at the time. Um, I started rodeoing in high school and did it for a number of years. And yeah, I just wanted to play, I guess. And <laughs> after a while, I did decide I should go back and talk to the bank. And so I continued to rodeo, but I uh, did get the job at the bank. And now just, just out of bank- curiosity, because I just tried to picture in my mind's eye. So <laughs> the bank gave me an offer and said, you know, you got a good degree. We'd like to extend an offer. He said, well, I get to go do the rodeo for a bit. And then a few months, you know, a, while, a little while later, you come back and say, well, maybe is that job offer still open? So how did it go kind of coming back to them and saying, <laughs> well, you know, rodeo is still fun, but I may actually want to work for you. Was it a a good conversation, an awkward conversation, or how'd that go? You know, I was lucky. I had some really good guys that I worked with at the bank because while I was going to school, I was actually working at the bank as a teller. Hmm. And so I got to know them and I was working at the bank that was had the regional office in the same building. So I got to know a lot of the uh, higher ups. And so they were really good about it. And, you know, I think they they came to me with a really good offer. And when I turned it down, I think they were a little surprised, but they also knew that rodeo was a big part of my life. And 
you know, I just won a couple of Canadian championship inter- intercollegiate titles and stuff. So they, they knew what I was doing and whatnot. But when I went back to them, um, yeah, they were just like, yes, offer's still there if you want it. And it's great. But the funny thing is, even, you know, five years later, when I went to them and, you know, during the time I was at the bank, I got into real estate, bought a mini storage business and stuff like that. When I went to them five years later and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to start a manufacturing company. I'm going to start making artificial stone veneer. And this was in Canada at the time. And my, the regional vice president, he basically said to me, he says, you know, I, I knew at some point you're going to want to do something on your own. Good luck. If it doesn't work out, you've always got a spot here. So they, they were awesome to work with. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that always gave me a little bit of security. If, knowing that if I wanted to rodeo, they were going to let me, if I started a business and failed, they're going to take me back. So that was pretty good. That makes for a bit of a nice safety net. And uh, now one question before we get into doing the, you know, log homes and the manufacturing, getting into that, what was, what was the point that, you know, cause they obviously kind of saw it and were supportive of it, but what made you decide, okay, I not, I don't want to do the banking industry anymore. You know, what made you kind of trigger and say, okay, I want to do something else. Or I want to go pursue this or explore kind of what was that, what uh, culminated in that? So in the banking industry, it, it was cool because I, I was the type of kid that I just wanted to get school done with. I wanted to get it done and move on and have a career in rodeo and whatever. So when I got to the banking industry, the thing that I loved is their continuing education. Um, you know, they, they gave me so many opportunities to take more courses and do more stuff. And so it also gave me the opportunity to climb the ladder really quick. Um, I came into the industry working as a, we called it at the time, a personal financial services officer, which did loans and mortgages and stuff. And then I got into the investment side, but they got me to the point where I got trained to do the business loans. And then I was managing my own branch within a couple of years. And as the branch manager, I also had the opportunity to continue doing all the business loans. And so that's what I was really passionate about is working with these entrepreneurs Hmm. and, you know, working with the entrepreneurs and just sitting down with them and saying, you know, tell me about your business. What are you doing? And really learning the ins and outs of it from a banking perspective, what they were doing, right. What they were doing wrong. Hmm. And, you know, that's kind of what gave me the opportunity to start looking at things. I was with one of my clients in, in his office and he was making log homes and he had a catalog on his desk for artificial stone veneer, the artificial stone that they put on the front of all their homes. And I got looking at it and my brother had done some of that, that work before. So I kind of knew what the product was. And I thought, you know what, that's something I could figure out. And so that's kind of where it started. I, you know, a lot of people start a business because they're in that industry or something like that. I, I wasn't in the masonry industry. I wasn't in the home building industry. It's just something that I thought, you know, that looks like there's a need for it and I can figure that out. I found someone in Missouri that taught me how to do it and mm. started from there, started a manufacturing in Southern Alberta and then moved a second facility into Utah and 
So now, you, so kind of getting into that. So you say, okay, you know, fund, you know, and I, I'm probably a bit the same way, different industry, but I work with a ton of startups and small businesses. It's always fun to see all the things that they do and the things that they come up with and how their business goes. And some of them are successful and others, you know, falter, or some of them don't work out, but it's kind of fun to get that a bit of that insight, so to speak, as to how it's going. So, you know, as you're now making that transition, doing the leap over to doing your own kind of manufacturing business, getting into that. Was it, you know, kind of everything you hoped for and it went well? And because I, I know when we talked a little bit before, you mentioned that there was, some, you know, you had to do some pivots and you had to, to adjust and, and go different ways. So kind of how did that journey go as you're getting into it and what, what caused the pivots? You know, um, I, I started it and, you know, in my mind, I did, I did my business plan, looked at everything, and I was pretty sure within three years I'd be sitting on a beach retired and living the good life right i think that's every entrepreneur's well, dream it's kind of like everybody's <laughs> like this is you know i know that most start smart startups and small businesses never make it past the first few years but i'm going to be different i'm going to be rich and i think that if you didn't have that exactly. that perspective nobody would ever get into it. they thought this is going to be horrible it's going to be hard it's going to be a lot of work a lot of extra hours and i don't know if i'm going to make it they probably say Meh, I, I might just stay in the bank so so go ahead <laughs> exactly so so the way it started, you know, here, here I am suit and tie every day working at the bank and I walk away to start this manufacturing company. And in the beginning, I mean, it was me doing everything. I mm-hmm. built the factory. I started the production, all those things. And so I, I would go in to do my banking and my staff would look at me and I'm covered head to toe with concrete and dye and everything. And they're like, Are you sure you made a good choice here? But, you know, I remember when I went down to Missouri, learned how to do it. I was on my way home. I'm sitting in the airport in Dallas. And I remember thinking, you know what? This is easier than I thought it was going to be. This is, this is going to be a no-brainer. <laughs> and I had, I had seen one of my competitors' product. They had a color that I thought, you know what? If I can create that color, that's going to be the most popular stone out there. And the color was called Dakota Brown. And so that, when I got home, got back to Canada after I went through the training, I was going to create this product. I was going to create a stone this to match this Dakota Brown. And it was going to be the first stone I made. And it was going to sit on my shelf forever saying, you know, there's Kodiak Mountain Stone's first product we ever made type thing. Mm. Well, we, we did it. And the next day I came back, we went to take them out of the molds and see the products and stuff. And I pulled that out. And that beautiful brown stone that I was expecting was a bright pink. Mm. <laughs> And so that stone that I kept thinking is going to be the first product. It's going to be on my shelf. It is out in the middle of the field, however far I could throw that. <laughs> so, like, Dang it. I don't want this anymore. <laughs> so what it turned out is even on the manufacturing part of things, it was a lot steeper learning curve than I anticipated. Hmm. Um, you know, sitting there going through the training, it looked pretty simple, but it wasn't. And that's everything from, colors to profiles to you know you've got to get the engineering and the testing and all that dialed in and it it was tough Mm -hmm. so we finally got a lot of that figured out and started selling product and building our building our dealer network and things were going pretty well we were in Canada we advanced into the U.S. market opened another factory in Utah and we were doing a lot of good things it was moving along well and then 2008 hit and it hammered us you know we're we're tied directly to the housing market and 
so that was kind of our first pivot is we had to look at things because what happened was there was there was really good margins in the industry mm-hmm. until 2008 and then we're dealing with guys like Owens Corning and all these big companies that had the ability to say okay no we're going to put our price point at this and it drove a lot of people out of the market i remember mm-hmm. there is a job in salt lake that we were bidding on and the whoever it was that got the job they i found out the price and it was basically my cost to manufacture the product and they were doing the product and the installation for that just because people were just trying to buy work Mm -hmm. and so it really made us decide you know what markets are we going to play in and what aren't we and so at that time we actually backed out of a lot of the U.S. markets and still just focused in Canada we still manufactured in Utah but most of our business was in Canada Um, we ended up opening some of our own retail stores and eventually what we did when we opened the retail stores one of the things I wanted to do was you know someone comes in and they don't want what we're selling well, I don't want them to go down to the street and buy from someone else. So I went to my competitors, the manufacturers, and said, I want to distribute your product. And at mm-hmm. first it was, yeah, okay, what are you trying to pull here? You're our competitor. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're but, our competitor. <laughs> Why would you want to sell our product? <laughs> exactly. But fortunately, they gave me a chance. And, you know, after a while, and when they figured out, no, he, he's not trying to pull a fast one on us, um, it ended up being a really good relationship. And we were able to do really well that way. And, you know, the, the economy and the housing industry is, it's like a roller coaster. And so we had a lot of up and downs and a lot of different things. And we, we tried, I mean, I remember in the fall of 2016, in our Calgary market, we had a store up there in Calgary, Alberta, we had really had our best year up there and it was kind of like, okay, this is our breakout year. 2017 is just going to be amazing. Well, during that time, there was a provincial election change. The whole Alberta is an oil province. The oil industry dropped out and by spring we're in the industrial park and it was like a ghost town. And so there was another pivot we had to take and figure things out. And so, I mean, long story short, we ended up in 2017 getting out of the manufacturing and just focusing on distribution, um, which was a pretty good situation. Um, We still had a number of issues that we had to deal with at different times. And I had moved down to Arizona here and we were looking at doing some expansion into this market. COVID hit um, right when we're in the middle of putting that together our investor anticipating that the real estate market would fall out here. Which is probably wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight, hindsight's really 2020 on that one. Mm. (laughs) But then with everything in the Canadian market, we did get in a situation where we are going through shutdowns and stuff with the, with COVID. And it came to a point that in, in January, we had to make the decision of what we were going to do. And we did shut, shut that business down. So, I mean, it was from 2005 to 2021, great business, a lot of great things that we did. Um, but yeah, unfortunately it was something we shut down. Now one question kind of just on that shutdown, because it sounds like, you know, you were almost the opposite. You're looking to expand into, you know, the Arizona market and continuing to grow in that. 
you know, and definitely get, you know, an investors, you know, having or a bit, you know, betting on the come or having investors that's going to come in and some cash. Was it one that the business was already struggling or having difficulties and the, the investor pulling out was the final nail? Or was it more of, hey, we're make we overextend ourselves or kind of, you know, what causes it to say, you know, we have a business that made it through the re- housing recession, everything else, and the one that we ended up needing to shut down, you know, if you don't mind there, kind of provide a bit of insight there. Yeah, you know what, one of the one of the things I reflect on and, you know, I talk about lessons learned, you know, cause so for the past three years, I've spent a lot more of my time as a business coach and, you know, failure is something you talk about a lot in business. And one of the things that I reflect on there is you always hear the cliche things, you know, fail fast, fail forward, all those things and mm-hmm. how much you learn from failure, which is true. You do learn a lot from failure. But when you're in the middle of your own failure, it still sucks. You know, there's nothing fun about it and it's hard. And, you know, looking back now, there's a lot to reflect on. I learned a lot. But in my own case, I look back now and say, you know, it, we shut down in 2021. But in reality, we failed a lot sooner than that. Mm. And there, there was really a number of things that happened. Um, I don't feel like we had a full recover recovery ever after 2008 because Mm -hmm. every time that we got there like I said we got there in the fall of 2016 things were great and all of a sudden the oil market falls out in Alberta Mm -hmm. and all those things happen we put another deal together with a company out of Salt Lake that we were going to take over their production and it was going to give us a new network within the U.S. but what happened was I I actually thought, you know, I want to head this up and make sure we get this all taken care of. So as soon as we put this deal together, I started going out and visiting with all their distributors. But what had happened is the year before, they had kind of decided we're out of this business and started to neglect it. And so all their distributors jumped ship on them. And so Mm -hmm. here we are thinking we've got this whole distribution network and I'm going out there and meeting them all. And they're saying, no, we switched last year. We don't deal with them anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that was another kind of kick in the side. So, yeah, it, it was it was never a real full recovery after 2008. It was always building up, building up. We'd get to a peak and then all of a sudden get hammered with something again. And so it was it was a lot of difficulties that we dealt with. Um, so was was COVID the big thing? No, it was kind of just the final straw in my in my mind. No, and that. that... You know, it's one of those where, because I had one of those businesses and it was, it was a bit different, but just as a side note, it was one where we were going along and we actually had a frivolous lawsuit. Now, you know, people think, oh, well, you're an attorney. That's, that's not a big deal. And it's like, no, it still takes a lot of time and effort. But it was one where it basically stopped the business kind of in its tracks and we were building momentum and going down a given path. And then we had that lawsuit and it really kind of, you know, hit us, you know, hit us financially, even though it ended up working out well at that time, we're saying, you know, what are we going to do here? And we're having to deal with it. And it would kind of give us pause for the business. And, you know, it was one where 
we then, when we put a pause on the business, it causes us to reflect back as to, you know, does this make sense, the path we're going down? Is there a better way? You know, we're grinding and trying to work it out, but, it, you know, does it make sense? And because we had that pause, we actually took it in a completely different direction. Worked out great. We ended up acquiring the other business that filed a frivolous lawsuit for pennies on the dollar and uh, merged with another company that's still going there, going strong today. But it's kind of that same thing of, you know, sometimes when you're going along, when you don't have something that causes you to change, you think, oh, we can keep it going and we can keep it making working. And it's sometimes that abrupt thing that, you know, finally is that kind of nail in the coffin that causes you to have to reevaluate and see what makes sense. And kind of sounds like you have that. And that's where you transitioned into after you shut down the company and mentoring and coaching. Is that right? Yeah. So while I was, while, while I was down here, I mean, throughout the whole time I had the opportunity, um, whether it was with my real estate business or with this business, I had an opportunity to mentor a lot of people. And, you know, there's a lot of times I remember sitting in meetings with my CFO and talking about different things and things we had learned as we built this business and we would joke about okay that's that's got to be a chapter in the book or that's something we'll teach when we're coaching people and you know I had taken some certifications for coaching and different things but I hadn't really dove into it and he called me one time and said you know I've got someone I'd like you to meet you've got, you've got a similar background and I just think you should meet. And he's actually there in Arizona as well. And so I went and sat down with him and he did, he had a, he used to have a manufacturing company in the uh, real estate market Mm. and he's now a successful coach. And so we sat down and we were talking about things. And as I talked about my goals of becoming a coach at some point and some of the things I wanted to do, the thing that kind of was a turning point for me was, he just looked at me and says, okay, you've, you've got the qualifications, you've got the experience, you've got the certifications. Why aren't you doing it? If you want to do it, why aren't you doing it? And I mm. thought, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I don't have a good reason not to. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I, the one thing about uh, my manufacturing company was the people that I worked with were incredible. So the guys that were running the operation up in Canada were just, just the most outstanding guys you could ask for. And so it was running pretty smoothly and it wasn't something that I needed to be putting full time into. And so that gave me the opportunity to start spending Mm -hmm. some of my time doing the coaching and, and looking at other options for that. No, well, that sounds like it's a, a great pivot and, and kind of is a, is a fun journey. So now as you're kind of got into coaching, you have a bit of, you know, not a, a, a long or a track record yet. You're still getting going, still getting up and running. How has it been so far? Have you enjoyed it? Has it been a good pivot, a good switch? Or are you wishing you'd gone back to manufacturing or kind of how is, where's, where's that put you at today? You know, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's just like when I worked at the bank. I get to work with entrepreneurs. I get to talk about their businesses. I get to, and, and one of the things, I mean, whether I'm coaching, doing a one-on-one, any of my group coaching or any of my mastermind groups, I remember um, it was right during everything with 2008, 2009, I was at a business conference in Hawaii and I was sitting at a lady, was sitting at a table with a lady that owned a scrapbooking company. So here I am, I own a stone company. She owns a scrapbooking company. In my mind, we have nothing in similarity. But during our conversations, she started talking about some of the things she did with her scrapbooking business and how she had to pivot it, that it just was like, that's what I need to do with my company. And you know, the fact that I was able to take an experience from someone in a completely different industry 
and apply it to my business was just kind of an epiphany moment for me. And that's something that I love working with entrepreneurs. I love working in my masterminds because what, it doesn't matter the business they're in. There's mm-hmm. so much that overlaps and you know being able to help one another that way. And so that, that's been really good. And you know the other part is I've been a basketball coach for 20 years. And so I've got this mastermind group that I hold every Wednesday night. And during basketball season, I would hold it from our film room at the school because as soon as I was done, I had to go out to basketball practice. Well, one of my assistant coaches was part of that mastermind group. And so he would be out in his truck and in on the call. And then we'd go into basketball practice after and he'd say, you've got to teach this team what you were just teaching in that class. And it's when I really started looking at, you know, athletics and entrepreneurship and life, there's so many things that cross over. And I had, I'd been asked to speak at a conference and I I was asked to speak on self-talk. And at that point, it's when I really started doing a lot more work in mindset. Mm -hmm. And what I ended up doing is I started working with my team a lot more on a lot of the things that we teach and talk about with my entrepreneurs. But then during all this uh, pandemic, I actually had one of my business clients talking to me with her knowing my background in sports. She says, you know what, I've got a son that his whole focus in life was to get a college scholarship to play football. But during the pandemic, he's lost all motivation, he's lost his drive, and you know, he just has nothing there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I had an opportunity to work with him. And really take him through a lot of the stuff that I work with my entrepreneurs on with mindset and confidence and all of those things. And it really helped him. And so one of the things that I've done recently is I've started to work with athletes a lot more as well. And I've got a program called the confident athlete program that we focus on those things with the mindset, the confidence and all those different things, because just like in entrepreneurship we put so much focus on the physical aspect of our business or our sport or whatever we're doing but we often neglect the mental game and so that's been that's been a fun way to kind of take the business in another direction as well that I still my my main clientele is entrepreneurs but I love to work with the athletes as well no that's that's awesome sounds like it's been a great uh, great pivot and a, and a great journey so well, now is uh, we are reaching towards the end of podcast. We've kind of gone through where you started to where you're at today. Always ask two questions at the end of each episode, so we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is: Along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made, and what did you learn from it? You know what? Talking about what happened with the company, and you know what I had mentioned that it didn't fail at the pandemic happened before that is one of the things that I really feel is I I remember sitting in a staff meeting talking about some of our things once saying you know failure is not an option we're figuring this out we're going to push through this and I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is failure is an option and you've got to be able to as an entrepreneur you've got to understand that that it can and if you if you failed and you're still trying to push it on when it's not going to happen, it ends up costing you more pain, more money, Mm -hmm. more everything. So face the fact when it's happened and figure out what you can do, what, and focus on the things you can control. 
because there was a lot of things that we were trying to fix that we had no control over. No, and I so agree. I, yeah. So I think no, I, I think that's that's great feedback because I think you know first of all, you know, failure is is something to learn from, and it's usually one where you don't want to fail, and nobody wants to fail. I don't think anybody is, but I think that learning that you can fail and it's not the end of the world, and you can pursue other things and you can still be successful is a great lesson to learn from the, the you know the closing of a business or having to go in a different direction. So I think that's great or great insight. Second question I always ask is, if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I guess one of the, the biggest things I would say is, one, don't believe your own lies. I think from a young age, we start telling ourselves a lot of lies in, in our self-talk. You know, why, why do I think I can do that? Why, why am I the one that could be able to do these things you know we have a lot of that negative self-talk and i think we just need to change that to the why not because you know a lot of people look at entrepreneurs and stuff and think oh they they must have had everything perfect and it just worked out for them but reality <laughs> is that it's all the same i, I don't I mean, know that I've, books, I, like, other than in the books movies or television shows i've never met an entrepreneur that's actually had that journey which is like yeah had an idea and we just, it was perfect. It worked all out in that, in those three years, we made millions and we now we're retired on a beach. So no, I think that having that, you know, you, you have to have the understanding that things, you know, things are not the same in televisions and movies and TV shows. And that overnight success is really 10 years in the making that people have to go through those failures and that up and downs and pivots to figure out how to, or where their, their success lies. So I think that's a great piece of advice. Well, as we wrap Absolutely. up. So, and I think, oh, Sorry, I was going to say, and to add to that, I think one of the best things to do is if you're in that position, make sure that you have a coach or a mentor that you can lean on because someone that's been there. No, I, I think that having that person, you know, and it can be a business partner, a mentor, something that's unrelated, a friend, but, you know, something that you can gripe about when things aren't going well, you can bounce ideas off with and you can just have someone there I think is invaluable. And, you know, I think whatever role that is, definitely having that person in your corner makes a huge difference. So, well, yeah. as we wrap up the podcast, and it's always more things I want to talk about than we ever have time to talk about it. But if people <laughs> want to reach out to you, they want to contact you, they want to hire you as a speaker or help them to, to get some mentorship, they want to be a customer or client, they want to be an investor, they want to be an employee, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you and contact you find out more? Absolutely. So jeffhagey.com is my website and most of my contact information is on there. But my email is jeff at jeffhagey.com on Instagram. It's jeffhagey.coaching. And, you know, I, I've got things like my, I've got a free momentum series. If you're trying to figure out your goals and everything like that, jeffhagey.com slash momentum. And it's a great free resource to jump to. All right. Well, I definitely encourage people to check it out, find out more and uh, definitely uh, a great resource. So, well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure. Now for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you would uh, like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. Two more things as a listener. One, make sure to click subscribe so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, make sure to leave us a review so everybody else can find out about all of our awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else in the business, feel free to reach out to us. Just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time with us to chat. 
Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast, Jeff, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Tim. Thank you.